normally start with a preacher story, but I want to this time. If you don't know what they are, a preacher story is a really cool story that never happened. But they, preachers love them because you can fit them to a, um, a moral. And I can remember, I don't, I don't even know where I heard this when I oh, it must have been a small boy. We would be in Appalachia quite a lot, in and out. It's probably somewhere there. Stories told of a minister was kind of new to the place. And first Sunday, huge snowstorm came. And it was, it was just blinding. It was terrible. But he figured, it's first Sunday. I've got to get there. So he made his way through, stood up. And out of all the congregation, only one man came. And he sat down, just leaned back and looked at the preacher. The preacher didn't know much about the man, but he did know that um, this was his chance. So he unloaded everything he had. He did his sermon. He emphasized the sermon. He came back around and reminded people of the sermon. When he was finally done, they all got, you know, they all got up, the man and he. The minister went to the back door because in those churches, you haven't been to church unless you shook the hand of the minister on the way out. So um, he uh, shook his hand and the farmer looked at him and he goes, you went on a bit. And the preacher goes, well... I figured that when the flock comes, that they should be fed. And he said, well, preacher, he said, I'm a farmer. If only one cow shows up, I don't empty the truck. <clears throat> and I'm just saying that to say this is going to be a shorter sermon <clears throat> because we don't have that many cattle in the congregation here today, and I don't know where you are in Count's Church. And by the way, this does remind me of a time we were in the Detroit area in Rochester, um, for about 10 years and just wonderful memories there. But you get some real snowstorms there and we'd been there for a few years and we'd been through some. I had never seen the weather people get worked up like they were about the approaching storm. It was going to be snowpocalypse. Uh, I, we were going to have 666 inches of snow. It was, it was this is the beast, it was coming. And they even knew when it was going to hit. It's going to hit between 2 o'clock and 3.30 in the afternoon. And you saw it. You saw it coming. And it was, um, you know, we'd been in some snows before. We've not seen the Detroit people get this worked up. So we had a Wednesday night service. And I just, I told the, the secretaries and the administrators, I said, cancel it. Tell people we're done. They did. Didn't get a flake. Not a flake. So I'm always concerned, and I, um, you know, I don't want bad things to happen to Tennessee, but I would like for there to be at least a wee bit of mess in the morning to justify what we're doing here today. And I have to thank Dave and Chris and Misha and Tommy and Randall and Luca and Nico, because had they not been able to come out here on a Saturday where, where you know, they have this thing called a life and, and dedicate themselves to a couple hours putting this together, it would have just been me in my bonus room, and you don't want that to happen. Now, that's happened once before, and we had 52 dedications to foreign missions just to get away from anywhere where I would be in the bonus room again. But thank you. We're, the sermon that we were going to do is for next week because we want it to be here with Chris and Elaine. But I want to talk to you about a Jesus story. One of our problems is we take Jesus stories in isolation. We grab them, and like that preacher story, we apply them. Then we move on. 
without looking at the context and the flow of what's really going on. And I'm just going to go to the last part of Mark chapter 10. There are a lot of things going on in Mark chapter 10. A lot of things. We even get to meet the rich young ruler in Mark 10. The Bible never calls him that. One gospel calls him rich, another calls him young, another calls him the ruler. We just put it together. But we're not even going to talk about him either, except just to say he was wanting position. He was wanting a name. He was wanting some recognition for a, whoop, there we go, almost fell off a stool. Um, and, I, and no, no, I've been good. That's just Diet Coke and my Yeti over there. Getting excited is what it is. The, um, he wanted, he'd lived a hard life. He lived a good life, rather. And he wanted recognition for this. So he comes to God for it. We all want recognition. Men are the worst at this. I get that. And by the way, this is a stereotype, which means there are outliers. But by and large, men like to do things that give them position and power and some respect. And uh, that's why, for example, that they've not fixed the squeaky door uh, that you've asked them to. And ladies, you don't need, you know, you don't need to nag them just once every six months. Eventually, they'll get to it. The reason, the reason you have to keep asking is because there's no prestige in that at all. That's why there's a transmission in your bathtub. Because there is for that. Oh, I heard a noise. I'm stripping down the transmission in the bathtub. The squeaky door, no recognition for that. We want a name. Look at the books men read or the magazines geared to them. It's the biggest boat, fastest car, catch the most fish. It's win. The, the women's stuff, it's all relational. You know, 52 crafts, your kids will flip over. Spoiler alert, they won't. But women are about community, and they like that building and community. I mean, men are never out walking in the woods, and one go, looks at the other and goes, you know there, Cletus, um... If we were to get a bunch of them dead sticks down here and weave them together and start a circle and stick dead flowers in them, that'd be pretty. We would just shoot him and, and, and go home and deny we ever met him. But that's a community thing. Men want status. So, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also known as the sons of thunder, because they were zealots. They, they were making a name for them. They were going to overthrow the Romans, overthrow the bad, you know, the, the collaborators. They were, they were going to be this, this forefront, the sharp point of the spear. And so they come to Jesus in verse 35, and they said, Teacher, we want, us to, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I'm just going to let that settle in. You're walking up to God saying, All right, God. Here's what you're going to do for me today. Now we look at this and we go, what? Well, the, in that day, it was, still, it was still a bit. It was still a bit. But in that day, it was, um, you were community-based. And you would, you know, we're following you. You're getting quite the, quite the gathering. What we would like is to make sure of our position in all of this. Which direction we're going. You know, Jesus is going to set up a kingdom. Therefore, we got to overthrow the bad guys. You're going to need good people like us. So, what we want is we want to be right up front and for you to acknowledge that we're right up front with you and we're all in this together. Still, it's not good, but it, it, it's better once you realize what they're really on about. And Jesus goes, well, what do you want me to do for you? Please remember that phrase. What do you want me to do for you? 
They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Well, there was a lot of status to that. No question. But there was also a little bit of risk that we're saying, we're with you. Let's, let's go get him. Jesus goes, you don't even know what you're asking. He says, in a, in a very Jewish way, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Can you be baptized with what I'm about to be baptized? To a Jewish person, in other words, are you able to keep up and do what I'm going to be doing and suffer what I'm going to suffer? And they're going, yes, we can. <laughs> we can. Jesus said, well, here's the news. You're going to. You're going to suffer what I suffer. And you're going to be overwhelmed, immersed with the events that overwhelm and immerse me. But I'm not here to grant to the left and the right. I'm not here to give you positions of power and status. Those places belong to those for whom it was prepared. Which is a really weird thing for God to say, frankly. Uh, to people, basically just saying, you know, uh, the right people will rise to the top and it's not for me to say. What an odd thing. Well, by the way, the other uh, apostles heard about this and they were, uh, the theological term, miffed. They were quite miffed. They became, in fact, in a book of, uh, NIV translates the word indignant. And you can get that. You can. No matter where you go, People want status, and they want to be in charge, or they want to be acknowledged, or they want to, and in fact, I don't know how many churches I've worked at when somebody did something really good, and I said, we need to honor that person, and the consensus of the leaders was, oh no, because if we honor them, we'll have to honor others, and we might forget to honor somebody. So let's honor nobody? That doesn't make sense to me, but truth is that there are people that will say, well, I did stuff too. They didn't honor me. And that's sad. It's just really sad. So Jesus says there, you know that there are those that are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles and they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them, but not with you, not with us. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of, of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life, not to receive, but to give. One of the uh, translations of this is my preferred. Whenever it says that the Gentiles have rulers that lord it over them and say it's for your, your benefit. They call themselves your benefactors. I think of that every time I see a politician. We are making this rule, but it's for your good. That's why we're allowed to be here. It's for your benefit. And we vote for people time after time that say they're going to save us because we haven't learned. We haven't figured this out. Jesus said, we don't act that way. But that's not the story I want to tell. It's the next one. Say, so come to Jericho. Jesus and his disciples. It's a large crowd. Jesus is doing church as he walks. Very Deuteronomy 6. Jesus likes to do church as you're moving. 
as you're talking, as you're walking, some of you with podcasts and you, you, you listen like that, or you, you will uh, watch these here, there, or the other. That's very much the same concept, just church on the road. Well, as he's walking, there's a guy yelling at him, a beggar. You need to understand, there is no status. There's no status in being a victim or a beggar in the first century. This, in fact, was the lowest of the low. They could not work for their money. Uh, they were almost entirely, legitimately in need because of um, being injured, being sick, being old, whatever. And a huge part of Judaism was to give alms to people who need them. Uh, it's, it's a big part of Islam, a giving of, of alms to the poor. So this guy interrupts church. Help! Over here! Could I have a bit of something? He probably didn't sound quite like that. Mine didn't sound like you either, so get over it. Um, he, was, he sounded all Aramaic-y, I'm sure. Well, people were stunned. Shh, it's church. Many rebuked him. Don't be quiet. Jesus is talking. Jesus stopped. Said, get him over here. Well, they ran over. They changed their tune. They said, cheer up. Good news. He wants to talk to you. So throwing his cloak aside, he jumps to his feet. So he's not, that's not why he's a beggar. He comes to Jesus. Well, he's blind. Jesus looks at him and he says, what is it you would like for me to do for you? We just heard that phrase. And James and John had said, we'd like positions of power, authority, but also risk, danger. Jesus said, no. But here's a blind beggar in the first century, and we know his name because God told us his name was Bartimaeus. That is huge. You don't get names of beggars. You, they're not, they're no, they have no status. They have no place. But God wants you to know this man's name. Because he's a person that God knows. And that person is standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't look at him. He's got a big, big crowd. If he wants a bunch of followers, it's really easy. All Jesus has to do is say, now pay attention to what's about to happen here. The guy's blind. But not for long. You know, nothing up my sleeves. Here we go. Prepare to be amazed. He didn't do that. Jesus assumed nothing. He stood there. Almighty God stood there face to face with a blind beggar. And said, what would you like? He was, um, he was taken back. In the NIV, it takes all that out of it. And I like the NIV. But it doesn't mean it's perfect. In the NIV, it says, Rabbi, I would like to see or I want to see. Uh, there's actually a little linguistic thing going on here, which I wish they'd kept. Other versions do. And it's, Rabbi, if I could see. In other words, I, I don't even think I can directly ask for something like this. And Jesus said, okay. Now you can. And we know his name. I don't wear name tags unless I'm held down and forcibly required. I just never liked them much. 
Sometimes I'll go speaking places and I'll say, here's your name tag. And I'll say, you have posters of me up around the room. I don't really need this. But they don't care that you've just got a nice sweater. Or you've just gotten a nice you know, suit jacket. They want the gig gummy thing right on there. One time, I've worn, it, I've worn those without putting a name on. No one's ever said a word. One time I put Inigo Montoya. <laughs> Nobody said a word. Which was frankly disappointing. Because I had a line. I had a line ready. And if you don't know the Princess Bride, I'm not sure we can be friends. But uh, Matt Dabbs has a backyard church. Maybe you can try there. I don't really care for that. But the idea that God knows your name. And when he asks you, what do you want? It's not so that you can be bigger and greater. How much bigger can you be than that God knows your name? He just says, what do you want? And in humility, Bartimaeus spoke. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's come on back. Well, we're not quite ready to come back yet. What I would like, however, is Dan, could you go bring me one of the cups, please. We're going to do communion. If you don't have one, uh, if you'll go get it here in the crowd, somebody will help you or just run over the table. And we have, um, have some there. We have some upstairs. And we do have more in storage. Um, oh, and there's some back on that table right there in the middle. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome, Patrick. Oh, he brought me one of the good ones. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody's trying to get in good with the teacher. So, all right. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're, um, oh, we're, we're actually going, uh, supply chain, I got a notice today that in the next two weeks we're supposed to get these. We'll see. But anyway, whatever you have, because it's not about the bread and the juice. It's about remembering his name. It's about the body of Christ. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus who looked at us in the eye he said, what do you want? And we asked him for all the wrong things. We asked him for fame. We asked him for money. We asked him for health. We asked him for a person we wanted to love us. But he waited until we told him what we really needed. We needed saved from the evil we'd done and that had been done to us. We needed somebody to step between us and the righteousness of the Father. And explain how hard it is down here. And he did. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. The body of Christ. He asked James and John, you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? You about to be immersed? Can you be immersed in what's coming? They thought they were ready. But when the cross came, the disciples ran. John made his way back sometime. Father, we run. That's what we do. We talk a good game. But we have a Savior who did not flee, who paid the price. And for him, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, the blood of Christ, and amen.